Hey guys, welcome to the next episode of the After Hours Lounge. Um, sorry, it's been a while. Last week I didn't get to put an episode out um, because unfortunately the guest had to reschedule, but they will be coming on in the next few weeks. Um, but this episode is with uh, Jamie Dick Turpin. Uh, so Jamie is an ex-Royal Marine um, and went into private security um, and now he, he lives with his family down, um, down in, in Devon and Cornwall. Um, so yeah, really, really great to chat to Jamie, talking about his mindset, the mindset that was instilled in him uh, during his time in the Marines and how he's carried that over into his um, into his life as a civilian. Um, and then, you know, also chatting about kind of what he does to keep keep active, keep happy still, um, and kind of talking about mental health within within the Marines as well and, you know, whether that's talked about and stuff like that. So really interesting episode, a lot of ground covered, quite a long one. Um, but yeah, feel free, you know, please, please do give it, give it all a listen. There's definitely some valuable stuff in there. Um, really, really great. And yeah, uh, thank you for all the support so far, guys, and enjoy the episode. Boom. Jamie Turpin, how are you? Good, thank you, mate. How about you? Mate, good. Thank you so much for uh, for coming on to join. Um, so those of you that don't know, I mean, I'll, I'll record the intro separately, but um, we were saying just before we hit record, we met probably like six six years ago is the last time we saw each other you were a you were a guest coming out to the Windsor centers I worked at so we met in Egypt and then in in Greece um, yeah but yeah that was that was a long time ago wasn't it long time long time lifetime ago, ago. yeah, yeah. Well, it feel, feels like it mate. it feels like it so um tell tell so the re- reason I got you on is because um we'll, we'll get into this but you're a you're an ex uh, Royal Marine um, and I was out on holiday in, in Greece recently and I was with a, a guy called Ian and he was a Marine as well. And I was just like blown away by his like mindset and how, how chilled he just always is about everything. And he just never seemed, it wasn't like he was being macho. He just wasn't, he just wasn't worried about it, you know? Um, yeah. So that was the reason why I reached out to you was to, to, to get you on. So, I mean, tell, tell myself and the, the listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, what you did when you joined the Marines. Give us, give us a bit of history, a bit of backstory. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I came straight out from sixth form, um, so I planned on doing you know doing well in sixth form and everything, being officer in the Marines. Right. Didn't do well. Didn't do well in sixth form. So <laughs> uh, went in just as a lad, and um, so yeah, I joined up two thousand and four, eighteenth um, of October. That stuck in there, um, yeah. and it was very cold and very wet. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, it was good. It was you know thirty two weeks, pretty tough training. Um, to get myself ready, basically, I did it myself. I didn't um, follow any programs or anything. I just run when I could. Went to the gym. I'd cycle down to the gym, train, swim, cycle back. Just basically stop. I've always been an active kid anyway. So, um, yeah, it just kind of came quite naturally. Yeah. Passed uh, out as an original, as they call them. So, you know, you, you do the 30 weeks, you don't get back trooped. So you haven't been injured, haven't failed anything. They don't think you're an idiot and they haven't stuck you back a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I did that, and then uh, went to J Company Four Two Commando, who were down in Plymouth. Right. Uh, went there, got the nickname Dick from my uh, my sergeant at the time. So Dick Turpin. Worth asking why? Is it worth asking why? Well, Dick, Dick Turpin. If you have ever heard of him, um, he was a, high, a highwayman up in York, and right. um, so his saying was like, "Stand and deliver your money or your life." Which you might have heard of before, but I've heard. Yeah. I've heard of it. Now that you think about it, I've heard of Dick Turpin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So basically, that that's the name I've, I've had stuck with me for uh, for all those years now. Right. Um. I mean, the people I've known for you know ten plus years who only know me as Dick. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> don't even, don't even know my first name. So uh, 
yeah, it sticks with you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I went to, went to J Company. Um, so that was what, July, June, July, 2005. Right. By, by January 2006, um, I was sent to Norway a week early. So we're going to go and do the, the full um, novices, which is, you know, a couple of months out there um, right. to learn the Arctic warfare and everything. Um, we put our names into a mess tin because uh, we had to go out a week early with, with the color sergeant to get all the stores set up and everything. And um, so I was, I was the first name picked out of this mess tin. Oh, bollocks. Wow. So I uh, went out there, basically didn't do very much other than go to the gym. Um, and I had uh, a PlayStation, a massive TV with uh, Guitar Hero on that, so that was pretty awesome. Did that for a week, and then we got the call to go to Afghan for um, basically whilst they built Camp Bastion. Oh, okay. Um, so those with any kind of military knowledge, they'd know that Camp Bastion is basically the biggest um, British camp um, out, out in Afghan. And at the time, we were staying on Camp Tombstone, which was a US camp. Right. Um, just staying in little tents and uh, the, the small beds, the camp beds you have there, cot beds as they're called. And we would do three days on the gate. So any vehicles coming in, obviously just local vehicles. So we've got to search them, search the people, the vehicles, had dogs there with us and everything as well. Yeah. Um, then we do three days on local patrols. So going around the local areas, go see the Bedouins, um, try and get, build a bit of rapport with them, yeah. get some info and everything. Um, and then three days on the Sangers. So they had sort of, you know, out in different areas, these high built up um, platforms basically. So we got there, you have the, the javelin clue, so you can see um, see it at, at night, basically. Yeah. Um, weapons with us and everything, but it was pretty quiet. Nothing really happened on that tour. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was the first Afghan. So it was about, what, three, four months out there. Um, came back, and then uh, I did my signals course after that, working on radios. It always interested me, but at the time, all the guys in my troop were being pinged. They're being chosen for these rubbish jobs. So the ones that nobody really wants to do, like light signals, right. um, chef, right. clerk, driver, all that kind of stuff. And um, so I thought, right, I'll put myself in for signals, choose the best of the worst. Um, did that. So it's a 14-week course. By the time I finished that, I then joined on to the second half of Herrick 5, um, which is my second tour out there, basically. Yeah. So a lot more kinetic. Um, this time driving out to basically going up a scrap. So you drive out to an area, yeah, yeah. you'd you find the baddies, you'd shoot them, that sort of thing. <laughs> so um, it's a bit more like that. Then, uh, I don't finish. That was up until about November, October. Yeah. So we kind of, I missed out on the winter period, which was good. Um, so yeah, did that one. Then, did Norway after that as well. So I did my full Norway deployment, Arctic warfare stuff. Uh, what else did I do? That must be before. weird from Afghan to Norway to do, you go from like yeah. one cream to the other. That must be insane. Yeah. I mean, that, that first tour, the, uh, the one in 2006, I went yeah. from, it was minus 56 when, when we landed. They had to unfreeze the steps to move them around. When you're walking around the camp sort of thing, you've got you know, all the layers on. Yeah. Um, the only thing I had shown was my eyes, but the moisture that comes up from your breath would come up through onto your eyelashes and freeze them together. Yeah. So it was that cold. And then, yeah. you know, like a month later, I was in Afghan where it's, you know, plus 30 odd. So, yeah. um, in full gear. Yeah. yeah, basically out there, body armor, helmet, weapon, a lot. So, yeah, you have to be able to adapt pretty quickly. 
Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah, and uh, I fought for the, the martial arts team as well. Ah, cool. So, um, uh, so my second dan in ta- 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 Taekwondo. Um, so I went and fought for the, for the team there. I uh, did the inter-services. So basically it's like Marines and Navy fight together against the RF and the Army. Ah, cool. So, um, yeah, that was good. Got, got a few wins and everything on that. Um, like team competition and also uh, by myself. So uh, a few gold medals and I think we got a cup as well for the team sparring. Oh, and then we did a sports tour as well, actually. Um, I think it was 2012. Yeah, 2012. Um, so we did a tour out to the States. Um, Virginia Gauntlet, the exercise was called. Basically, it was the US Marines do a swap with the uh, British Marines. And so we we got out there and um, we'd compete against them in all different sports. And this is everything from fishing to football, rugby, shooting, everything. If it was a team, they'd, they'd compete. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there isn't a team for what we did. So we basically went out to local, uh, local clubs, went out to Washington to a uni there, went to Queens as well. And um, basically, did a bit of sparring, a bit of training with the teams, um, guys out there. So, seeing different places, different walks of life. Yeah. And, uh, what was that like? The US Marines, are they different to you guys? Are they a bit more hoorah? Or are they. Very, yeah. very hoorah. <laughs> yeah. But no, they're, they're awesome. Oh. Um, yeah, definitely very um, American, let's see. <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no other word for it, is there? I mean, I've, I've never. Yeah the states but everyone i know that's been there like my little brother he ended up in like hollywood for a few days and he was just like he said it's just exhausting yeah (laughs) yeah it's nuts it just don't well we we went down to virginia um down to the beach down there and then so went out out on the piss one evening and um i didn't see myself one of the guys walking along and then this guy's driving his car just leaned his arm arm out the window and he's he's got a pistol just driving down the street with it it's um Different kind of place. Yeah, different world. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else I did. So, uh, 2008, I went to uh, Tier 2 Special Forces Unit. And um, so basically, I was kind of chosen for for that job. Right. Because they needed some, some signalers to go out there and, and help. And so they got in touch with, obviously, the local units and everything to the sergeant majors um, in charge of the signals um, groups. And so oh, we need people who basically can do the job and um so my my uh, sergeant major said doc do you fancy it so i think the first time they asked me i said no because i was planning on leaving the marines and all that kind of stuff and um with a signals background i was going to work for say sky or bt or something yeah um but then he asked me again a few months later spoke to the missus and i was like yeah okay let's do it let's try it out and that was my kind of like decider whether i stay or leave and um so yeah, went out there, did another Afghan tour. Um, because of my job is signals, I spent a lot of time in the ops room. But then when I, I did get out, out on the ground as well. And um, this was more kind of intelligence. So we'd go in early, night vision on, um, go into a village, get everything set up. And then um, we'd speak to the locals. So they have their morning prayer, around about five in the morning sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speak to the locals find out what's going on, whether there's any enemy in the area, all that kind of stuff. And um, they would then, they'd go and have their, their breakfast and everything, probably get high on opium, and then we'd have a scrap at about eight in the morning. And that was just the, the general day, really, out there. So mental. Yeah. Um, so I did that and then did jungle training as well. 
someone out to Belize. And um, again, it's just with, with this job, you go to different places, but you go to the asshole end of that place. Yeah. So you're in just some real shitty jungle. Um, but yeah, some of the places we went to, we went to um, Raoul's Rose Garden, which is a, a whorehouse out there. And that was pretty wild. Yeah, pretty wild. Just, just for the piss up. It was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, in the, the arse end of all these places, usually you can find a good like dive bar and you know, <laughs> they're you everywhere. Find, you find a watering hole somewhere, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got a drink. Um, but yeah, we're in this in this Rolls Rolls Rose Garden. Uh, apparently, it's burnt down now. Right. But um, yeah, we're there. There's probably 30, 40 Marines and Paras in this in this um, whorehouse, basically, all pissed up. <laughs> And so what you've got is a stage with a pole. And then if you can picture plastic garden chairs yeah. around like those, the white ones, the, the old brittle ones around the front. And so blokes will go and sit down there and then the, the whores will come out, do a little dance and then go in. And then they go, oh, fancy that one. Off they go. And um, so basically they played YMCA and all these powers and marines just jump on the stage. <laughs> Everyone's getting naked, swinging bits around. I'm there, um, I'm hel- helicoptering next to my... Um, my uh, major, so he's the officer in command. Yeah. So I'm there just swinging it around. One of the guys is naked up the pole, doing a, doing a little dance. But then the horse come out and they're sat on the chairs and they're watching us, <laughs> just loving life. Roles were reversed. Completely, yeah. And you're just yeah. basically in a brothel in the middle of the jungle. Yeah, didn't make any money though, so oh, I well. wasn't, wasn't trying hard enough. No, obviously not, man. Yeah, stick to your day. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, the jungle training out there, so that's pretty nuts when you're, you know, it's nighttime and you can just hear like jaguars and monkeys having a scrap and then, you know, you go out there with your head torch on or something when you're in the, in the sort of, um, the camp area. Yeah. All you can see is little eyes of spiders, like little wolf spiders and stuff. So, um, yeah, you got to check your boots all the time in that place. Oh my God. Yeah. So did that, did my, uh, parachute course as well. Yeah. So um, that's pretty cool. I was training for a tie boxing fight because um, where I was based in in South Wales, the uh, the Paras and Marines were basically training to fight against local tie clubs. Okay. And do some tie boxing there. So um, I was training, but I knew I knew this para course was going to come up at some point. So they didn't really set up um, anyone for me to fight. But uh, um, that was that was pretty decent. So I think all the Marines and Paras won. Um, Apart from a draw, which was the, the the Marine score knockdown anyway, so he should have won it. The other the other guy didn't. But then um, two of the opponents didn't show up, so it was a Marine versus Para, and um, so I was cornering for the Marine at the time. And, uh, and basically, if you can imagine, it must have been about twenty to thirty Marines on one side and the same Paras on the other side of this ring in a little um, a little like nightclub in Barry, and. Uh, they're just giving each other shit like they're not even there watching the fight they're just like you've got no history yeah, <laughs> the powers are going off back and um the marine ended up winning awesome fight really good fight um but yeah basically i went and did my, my parachute course and i missed out on that fight which is kind of annoying i'm looking forward to it yeah uh, but yeah parachute course is good fun it's um trying to think, i only did about 12 jumps I know quite a few, you know, a few guys do do quite a lot, and it's all static line. So basically, you clip yourself on. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, out you go, you just jump and that's it. The parachute does most of the work for you. Pull the chute straight out, basically. Yeah, yeah, so you don't have to pull anything yourself. You just jump out and it goes. Um, so, yeah, is that was pretty like, good fun. Is it like, is it fully like, I mean, my only experience of that is watching Band of Brothers where they're standing there. Is it literally like the green light comes on and you're all standing in a line and you all just boom, 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 and you just, yeah. just walk out of the plane, basically? Yeah, I mean, you practice the drills um, lots of times in like the sort of mock-up plane they've got and um, and a mock-up parachute um, like strap, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so you practice if things go wrong, what do you do? Um, luckily, things didn't go wrong, apart from one time. I think on my, my tenth jump, end up in twists, okay. so I didn't get a good didn't get a good exit on the on the plane. So I don't know if I clipped my parachute on the door as it went out, or I just got spun by the. Um, the, the force of the, the wind sort of thing right but basically if you, you've got your four rigging lines that go up to the parachute and they just end up just twisting and you're spinning 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 oh, and yeah. um so i've got a burger strapped to your leg so the first thing you do is drop that and so you, you pull this handle it drops down on like a i think it's about a three meter cord below you and um then you kind of you just got to stop you got to try and pull the, the lines apart yeah and then kick out the opposite way so uh so I'm in twists and you've got to shout, steer away, I'm in twists. So people around you know to steer away and they go away from you because you, you've got no control. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I'm shouting and this guy's just coming towards me. And he's going, steer away, dickhead. <laughs> I'm just like, I can't, I'm in twists. So then his rigging lines bounce off my chute. He then, um, basically air steel. So the chute yeah. that's below gets the air. So theirs kind of collapses a bit and then oh. theirs catches and he drift, drifts away sort of thing. Yeah. And, um, so I managed to kick out of the twists and then come in for a landing right next to a massive puddle. So I could have gone worse. I could have landed in the puddle. But you didn't land in the puddle. <laughs> I didn't. I was dry. What what goes through your what goes through your head while you're I guess because you've trained so hard for it, but surely like part of you when you're like literally falling out of the sky and you know your parachutes like kind of collapsing a little bit. Are you are you kind of like shitting yourself a little bit or do you not have time to do that because the training and everything you're like right i just need to drop this bag i need to wiggle the lines i need to you know do this does does that kind of take over or is there any part of you that's kind of like scared you know no no there's there's one time in my whole kind of military career where i've been scared yeah um and that was on one of the afghan tours i think the second afghan tour um and we'd basically taken a place called Sangin, which is just an absolute hotbed of mess. That's, right. You know, a lot of bad stuff happens there. And um, so we'd done like the biggest multinational um, operations since I think World War Two. Oh my god! Um, so there was everyone involved. The thing like New Zealand, Estonia, Brits, US, all over the place. They were they were part of this um, this operation. Yeah. And yeah. so we'd cleared through. Um, there was nobody there. They'd had flyers dropped and everything saying, basically, get out of the place. Um, the Apache helicopters had flown over and they'd found like a couple of heat sources. So they put some sidewinding missiles into the where they found it, like a garage sort of thing. Yeah. And um, so they took those out. We cleared through. Everything's safe. Brilliant. So we went up to this, like a, a four-story like hospital yeah. and um, yeah. set up comms because I was signals. So I was on radio watch. I finished my watch and I got my sleeping bag out and everything. I was next to my Bergen. And um, we heard some rockets whistle overhead. And so basically, um, if it's whistling and it goes past you, you know, that's fine. If it whistles and it stops, that means it's dropping. And so I could hear this whistling and it stopped, but it stopped quite short. So I thought, oh, brilliant, that's coming to me. So I don't know why, but I, I kneeled down next to my Bergen. Yeah. Thinking yeah. that's going to help. 
if it hit if it hit the building I was in, I was going to have another story land on top of me, and then have many stories come down as well, depending where it hits. Yeah. So um, yeah, that was one time I was like, oh, that's a bit scary. Yeah. And would you, uh, would you would you like attribute the fact that you weren't scared all these other times? Is that purely just because of like training? So you're just your brain. Well, I guess adrenaline as well. But you're like you're you're training. You just go into this like other mode where you're like. You're, I guess you're so in the moment and so focused that you don't have you don't have time to be scared. Yeah, I think it, for me it's like a constant flowchart. Right. It's like, is this working? Yes, carry on. Is this working? No. Why is it not working? But it's like it's just constantly going. Right. So you're shooting, you're going bang, bang, bang. It stops. Why is it stopped? All right. So you practice your IAs, like um, immediate action. That's your IA. So. Right, weapon stops, you go down on your knee, or depending on what position you're in, you'll look yeah. at um, other working parts. Yeah. There's like, I don't know, umpteen different problems you can have with it. Yeah, yeah. Usually yeah. it's just yeah. your magazine's empty, so putting your magazine in. But that's just for your weapon. You've then got things like, am I okay? You know, you hear a round go overhead, you think, am I okay? Yeah, I'm fine. All right, carry on doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. If somebody next to you gets injured, you know, what do you do? Again, it's a flow chart. You think, right, what's the problem? You've done your first day training to a certain degree, so you do what you can for them then. Um, luckily, I've not had to in any other situations, had to do anything first day-wise. Um, but yeah, I think that's what keeps me focused and, and controlled. It's just that constant, like, is everything okay? No. Why is it not? Fix that problem right yeah. now. Is everything okay? So, so um, a real, like, kind of logical problem-solving way of thinking then, rather than, rather than letting emotions get into it, you're like, right, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of a nice way of thinking about it, actually, like looking at it like a chart, being like, yeah. you know, like a, like a, you know, you see like a yes, no thing, like, right, go down here, no, you go back up, you're going that way. Yeah. I guess, I guess that, and then I suppose as well, like, there must be a lot of adrenaline involved as well, like, like you said, you hear a round go off, and like, I guess you, you do hear these stories where people have been shot, and they don't even notice till like five minutes later, do they, because they're yeah. so, like, wired up. Yeah. So I, I guess I guess that must play a huge part in it as well. Your brain just goes into like complete sort of overdrive. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, um, adrenaline-wise, I wouldn't say um, that that's my kind of driving factor. Yeah. But I, I think I'm I'm quite in control of it. Um, but yes, uh, there are times when it's it's kicked in. And you think, you know, I could have done anything in in that moment when when adrenaline kicks in. You almost you don't black out, but you're just like supercharged. Yeah, we just you almost yeah, you almost completely transcend your usual self, don't you? You just go into yeah. you go go into a completely other realm, you know. Yeah. Um yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty mental. Um so what's it like then? Obviously, you know, you're out somewhere somewhere like that. Do you do you find like the whole time you're in Afghanistan, it's obviously like a few months, do you find you're always your brain's always kind of on like that? Like when you got back from a tour or even you know back from like training and stuff did you did you find like you know your your brain basically just being like and just like stopping you know did you have that or did you kind of get home and you get a second lease of life like how does how did that work um well for me to to come home um like with the, the this is what we're, we're talking about 2006 7 8 and 10 when i was out there so things have changed now like like you know like, like you were saying to me earlier that that there's a lot more focus on mental health and everything. Right. Whereas before, we would go to Cyprus for a couple of days and just get pissed. And then people would have scraps. They'd 
you know, get naked, they trash the place, whatever, and they think that that's how we're meant to deal with it, just have a couple yeah. of days of just going wild. But there's a lot more to it than that, yeah. and people were still coming home with problems. And because at that time it was just tour, 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 people would just go back out there, and that's how they'd kind of deal with it, so they'd be almost happier on tour than not. Right. Um, I mean, one thing I found when I got back, uh, I can't remember which tour it was, but I came back, I went to Tesco, and I was trying to find some cereal. And they changed everything around in Tesco. Yeah. And that really wound me up. Like there was no kind of rhyme or reason why it should have. But I was just really pissed off that they'd moved the cereal from where it used to be to somewhere else. Yeah. And I was like, why? Why am I getting so wound up about this? Right. Um, and I can only kind of put it down to, to what had happened out there. Yeah. Um, nothing really bad. I mean, I, I've had it easy. You know, I've, I've done four tours, but, you know, I know some guys have done one tour, been blown up or, you know, nasty things have happened to them or their friends yeah so um yeah i mean you know like, like you're saying about us being on so when um uh, one little scenario was when we were back at camp in in afghan you know you'd think everything's safe it's all good but you know those like bug zapper things they've got yeah um so we're all sat down in the in, in the galley as we call it having food and um and a fly had hit this this zapper and it made a cracking noise yeah, yeah. which sounds just like a round going overhead. Oh, so have you ever seen a whole room of people eating their food jump at the same time? Um, you know, that's just it. Like you're in a safe place, but your mind is on. So just hearing that crack. Yeah. That does that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't dive under the tables, but it's the next best thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that must, it must be, it must be exhausting. I mean, I've got, I've got very little to compare it to, but all I can compare it to is like, you know, being, being out in Greece and like teaching windsurfing and going mad and you're working 14 hours a day and all this. And I always notice whenever I got back from a season of working and again, it literally completely different things to compare it to, but I'd always find at the end, I'd be like, I, I just feel, feel just burnt out and I'd have three or four days just like, I wouldn't even really want to socialize anything. You basically just, I basically just slept mm. for like three or four days when I got back because I just had this feeling of just like, you're kind of all socialized out and you're all burnt out and you're just, yeah. you're just, you're just fried is the word I use. You just feel fried. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is, that's definitely it. Cause I mean, you know, I was out there for, for two weeks in Vass yeah. and you know, seeing the, seeing you, you, you guys work and teach, you know, you're teaching all day. Then when you're not teaching and you're in the area, you still got to be sociable and nice and, watch your language and all that kind of stuff. And then you've got to think about the parties for the next day. And then was it every Tuesday and Friday you have parties? Oh, Tuesdays, Fridays, and then Thursday used to be cocktail night. It was basically yeah. I mean, in a completely different way to, to you obviously being in the Marines, but it, it's another way of you're, you're always on. You know, my mum my used to come out on holiday and she'd see us on. She'd be like, you're all, you're actors. She's like, <laughs> you're literally, you go out and you just, you act. You put on a character for five or six months. And you just yeah. have to play this character twenty four hours a day, and then yeah. when you come back. She's like, "No wonder all you want to do is eat and sleep when you get home." Like, <laughs> you know, you basically you basically been doing a play every day. You know, but I guess yeah, that's why I'm, that's why I'm so interested because obviously that's kind of my only common common ground I've got with it. But that's why I'm so interested to know what it's what the mindset's like for you guys when you when you do eventually get back or whether you come out of the forces or take leave or anything because. I know, like, obviously, you know, Amp Middleton or whatever, he's talked about the whole, like, like you just said, you know, they go, right, boys, you finished your tour, off you go to Cyprus, go and, yeah, mm. 
get pissed, shag girls and beat the shit out of each other for five days and then report back, yeah. you know? Yeah. Which is, yeah, thinking, thinking back, like, that, that probably was, like, what, ten years ago? Thinking back, like, now, like, that is mental that they thought that was a way of getting everyone to just decompress. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they'd, they'd, um, they'd get people there, so they'd have, I don't know, magicians, comedians, um, girl or boy bands, and they would just get ripped apart. Like, yeah. No one's interested in that. No. Um, I think we had, like, Little Mix or something there. Right. And then, yeah, just just getting hounded, absolutely hounded. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine why, as a, as a band, I can't imagine why you'd be like, yeah, that sounds fun, we'll do that. You know, yeah. Yeah, let's go play to 200 disgruntled Marines who've been in Afghanistan <laughs> for months. Yeah. Why would you do that? Not the best. When did you when did you come out of the the Marines then? How long were you in in the Marines in total? Uh, I spent eight eight years in. Okay. Um, and I left December two thousand twelve. Um, and that was, I don't know. That was a, a difficult point. So, uh, trying to think what happened really. So I'd left two thousand twelve, and I did my close protection course. Um, I did sort of maritime um, courses as well because I wasn't too sure where I was going to go from there. Right. Whether I was going to go down the maritime route or the close protection route. Um, the guys who I'd known who'd left earlier said, you know, there's loads of money um, in the in the sort of maritime world, but it's not the nicest of jobs. You're at sea the whole time. The food's rubbish. The gym is pretty basic, all that kind of stuff, which it's is been, security on security on ships, basically. Yeah. 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 So when you're going through dodgy areas, you're just watching out for pirates, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. not the old school cutlass pirates, but <laughs> with an eye patch and a wooden leg. No, no, no. Nasty but... swampings of AK-47s usually. Exactly, and rockets. So, um, yeah. So I thought, okay, the money's dropping out of that. I'll go down the close protection route. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did that, and I left. So I've got my end date, but I didn't have a contract or anything set up. So basically, I was just every single day on my laptop, just sending out CVs, updating um, LinkedIn, trying to find any kind of link to you know where I can get a job. Basically, yeah. Um, I'd run out of money. Um, you know, I, I was depressed. I was it wasn't great at home. All that kind of stuff. It was a real difficult time. Yeah. Um, I then got a contract, so I was going out to Baghdad doing a, a QRF job, so a quick reaction force. Yeah, yeah. So basically it's yeah. like, I think it's one of Saddam's old palaces um, up there. It's got a massive hole in the roof where something has come through and blown it all apart. Yeah. Um, so basically we were like quick reaction force for this US um, US camp. And so there was still a few military on board and then sort of other contractors and everything. Um, and then the money started coming in and it was really good money. So yeah. I was earning in yeah. a week what I was earning in a month in, in the Marines. Wow. So it was good dosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, sort of, you know, things got better at home and everything. Um, the money was coming in. You know, I, I had a, a T5 transporter, and I had to sell that to, to pay the mortgage before I went out there. Oh, my God. And, uh, so, yes, I was a bit annoyed with that, but such is life. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I managed to yeah, make a fair bit of money uh, while I was out there. Was that, was it, was it, when you say you were, you know, a bit down when you were leaving, was that purely because you kind of hadn't, hadn't found a, a job yet? I, I imagine this must happen a lot. Like when people leave, they feel, you get that time where you feel a little bit kind of lost, um, you know, because your, your, yeah. whole, your whole identity being in the forces is basically 
you know, you, it's not it's not like just a job, is it? It's like, what are you? And you're like, well, I'm a Marine, you know, whereas mm. as soon as that finishes, suddenly people are like, oh, what are you? And you're like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just Jamie now, you know? Yeah. It's, I guess, I guess that, I guess that must be really, really difficult. So, I mean, how was, was it, was, was that the case for you or was it more you were just nervous because you hadn't found a job and you needed to pay the mortgage? I think it's, it's a bit of both really. So for me, money is quite an important thing and not the case of having loads of it, being a millionaire, but having enough to, to not worry about it Yeah. and not be in loads of debt that kind of thing. So you know, that's quite important for me. Yeah. Um, then the relationship thing as well. So when you think of, of what's important for me, it's like money relationship and then friends basically and, and sports and hobbies. Um, and two of those had kind of gone wrong. And so that had got me down. And I guess what you're saying about the identity as well, I think that does play a factor. You know, it plays a part. It's, um, it's from being a Marine, you know, people kind of, everyone's got different views on them, but you get put on this pedestal, like you are elite soldiers. Yeah. Um, and you've got, you've got friends there, you've got brothers there who literally will, will put their life on the line for you. And then that's all gone. Then you're yeah. kind of on your own. You're just a civvy. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's what, it was hard for me at that point. Yeah. But, yeah, and then getting the job out in Iraq and everything, things started to smooth out. And uh, because you're working with a lot of ex-military as well, it's kind of like you haven't left. Yeah, I was going to say it must. Be, yeah, it must be basically a similar kind of thing. But I guess I'd be interested. In, like, do you? Is there still that kind of sense of like brotherhood as much, or is because I guess was there guys who you know it probably it probably wasn't all just Marines, was it? Yeah, I mean, I was working with um, South Africans, Americans. Yeah. Um, one guy was ex-police. So, you know, it's not all just military, um, yeah. you know, British military, Marines, Army, whatever. Um, but yeah, if, even with the guys who, who were kind of um, Army or Marines, everyone had different backgrounds as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was a good mix, good people. Um, on that first contrast, I was working with Africans. So... <laughs> They're not the best to work with, let's say, to train up. Um, they're quite lazy. Yeah. They, they like to do nothing and get paid for it, basically. <laughs> so I catch them asleep quite a lot, and we're supposed to be on like a night shift, ready to go at the drop of a hat. They've got the boots off, head down. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, there were two expats and a bunch of the Africans, I think we had six on at a time, um, and the two expats. We do two weeks nights, two weeks days, and just rotate through them. Yeah. Um, but the gym there was brilliant. The food there was brilliant. So that's all I needed, really. I was happy. After. Yeah. And how was yeah. how was the was there any kind of like I mean it'd be it'd be interesting to know if there is now. But what was the was there any like aftercare from the Marines at all? Like did they? I mean, I, I don't necessarily just mean in terms of like mental health, but I guess primarily that. But did was there kind of like a check-in from them, or was it very much no. like once you're out, you're out kind of thing? Yeah, that was it. There was nothing. Um, it was kind of strange actually. Nobody tried to stop me to leave. Right. No, stop me leaving right. the Marines. It was like you would think. You know, I've done four tours, Arctic training, jungle training, um, three years at Tier Two Special Forces Unit, done a parachute course all that nobody said you're an asset 
not bigging myself up, but like you're well trained. Yeah, yeah. Would you mind yeah, staying yeah. in? You know, is there anything we, we can do to make you stay? There was none of that. It was just like, all right, cheers. That's so weird, isn't it? Yeah. Why? Why do you think that is? Do you think, do you think they're just they're just getting fresh recruits all the time, and there's a lot of enrollment, or do you think do you think that's just the nature of the game? They're very much. They, do you think maybe they keep it a bit more impersonal? Maybe. I don't know. I don't really know. Um, I, I know they they weren't doing well with numbers. That's why they did a big drive. You know, yeah. like personally, you see on TV and everything. That's because they need people. Yeah. If they if they weren't advertising, then they're doing fine. Yeah. So um, yeah, it just seemed a bit odd. Like no one, no one tried to stop me to leave. So um, did that? Did, do you think, do you think that affected your like mindset when you were leaving as well? Because no one, were you kind of expecting a bit of pushback when you said you were leaving? I don't think so. No. No, I mean, th- thinking about it now, I, I don't think that that affected me. Um, but no, it, it just struck me as a bit odd <laughs> that that happened. It does seem a bit strange, especially like when you when you just list off your accomplishments there. Yeah, it does seem a bit like, well, hang on a minute, this this guy, you know, this guy's got all his tickets, you know. Yeah. Um, and I guess I guess there probably is there probably is a fair bit of career progression in the Marines, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. So. Um... Well, I, uh, what did I, do? I turned down a junior's a junior command course basically to become a corporal. Um, so I got my Lance Corporal stripe because I was doing um, a job that needed that basically. So I was looking after millions of pounds worth of secret and top secret equipment and in charge of hundreds of radios and stuff like that. Yeah. So they gave me a corporal stripe. Uh, last couple of strikes. So, yeah, cheers, cheers for that. <laughs> and that was it. But I was doing a job that should be done by a sergeant or a color sergeant. Right. But obviously, yeah. they're not going to give me that kind of rank. Um, so I then wanted to be a PTI, so a physical training instructor. And um, it was kind of a goal I'd set myself. So when I first started, it was either special forces or PTI. That's what I wanted to go for because I knew they were really hard courses um, to pass. And there would be a great way of life once you've done that. Yeah. Um, so I thought, right, go for PTI. And I failed the aptitude by quarter of a pull-up, basically. So um, you do all the – so you start off doing the swim test, then you do your um, your gym test. So you press-ups. Yeah. This is all to beeps and everything. So press-ups, sit-ups, leap test, and pull-ups. Yeah. So I read through all the paperwork and everything. I thought, yeah, cool. I can definitely get enough points. Pull-ups at the time were my, my weakness. Um, so I thought, right, I'll try and max out a bit more on bleep test or I'll do better on the sit-ups, for instance. Yeah. And so I thought, right, I've definitely made enough points to pass, but I didn't realise you have to do 10 pull-ups to pass. So I did nine and three quarters. I was about three or four inches away from getting my chin over the bar yeah. to the peak. And um, so dropped off, um, went again. Like three, they said, right, you've got three minutes rest, go again. And I got seven. Um, so they said, all right, do you want to come back in a couple of months' time? So I said, yeah, yeah, brilliant, I'll go for it. Um, but my color sergeant at the time wasn't interested in giving me like that time to go and train. Oh. So it didn't get any fitter, didn't get any better. And I thought, I'm not gonna, not gonna see myself off, look a right idiot. And um, so I put my notes in to leave. You have to give a year's notice to leave. Right. Um, <laughs> from that point, so uh, I, I was going with that. <laughs> What's the question then? Oh, dude, we're not. We're not mate. Keep going. It's interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah. So, um, 
career career progression that was it so you know if i had uh done my pti aptitude then i could have got um my stripes out of that so i would have done a juniors and corporals course all that, all that kind of stuff so um i took myself off at juniors um i was down as a wild card they call it right so okay. even though i'd done everything that i'd done up to that point this was probably what six and a half seven years into it even though i'd done all of those things i'd done they still had me down as a wild card you know against people who may have done nothing but sat in the stores for four years or something Seems and just yeah it's odd but um yeah career progression is very much pick a branch so a branch for the, for the marines is whatever job you choose so you've got like um you start stores clerks signals drivers yeah, yeah. chefs all that kind of stuff then when you kind of you get your corporals um uh, stripes then you've got things like pti mountain leader um i think vms like vehicle mechanics i think you can do that for marine but it really depends on you know who's in charge of you at the time whether they're going to let you go and train to then progress whether they're going to if it's physical kind of thing like PTIs or special forces um or if they're going to put you forward for things like juniors if they think you're capable um yeah. it really depends on, on who's in charge of you at the time yeah well i suppose the same in, in every job really yeah exactly you got a decent boss at work you know they're, they're going to sort you out yeah so then then you then you left and then then obviously yeah you went into the kind of the security stuff i mean how mm. how long how long did you do the security stuff for because obviously you're not doing that now are you um no i did that for two years um what did i do so start off in baghdad so that for about eight nine months yeah um doing the qrf for a while then did um pst private security detail so yeah. drive people out yeah. to the um, the hospital or wherever they need to go um and just basically be their, their security in that vehicle excuse me so um we've got these you know um, armored vehicles we drive yeah. around um pretty safe it was in what they call a green zone so green just means as in like green light it's safe and then you've got amber zones and red zones i've seen them um, <laughs> yeah so uh, Matt Damon. Just that really. Matt Damon. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So basically, I, I never really went to any red zones apart from one time, I think. Right. On on uh, Impact Ed. Um, then I think that contract I was on was about to close. So one in Basra in southern Iraq, where the oil fields are, um, there was a guy who had problems with his visa. So he needed someone to cover him for two weeks. So I said, yeah, cool. I'll go for it. Um, if I had stayed on the other contract, I would have got a team leader position because I was 2IC at the time, like second in charge. So I would have got a TL position. But I thought this has got, you know, the, the contract's not going to finish. Um, there's more scope to, to progress. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, went down to Basra. One of the guys then got fired. Um, I think he was sunbathing when he should have been looking after one of his clients. <laughs> so, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Gave me a job. And uh, so. I think within two weeks, um, I was then covering a team leader position because one of the guys, I think he'd fallen out with one of his clients and his client was high up within the oil company. Yeah. And um, so he said, right, I'm not taking him. And I was free at the time. I said, oh, can you go and take him down there? Do you know where it is? Like, yeah, cool. I know where I'm going. Off we went. And um, 
they're like, all right, yeah, you can do it. Um, there's a team leader position coming up. You know, this guy's leaving. So I was team leader within within a few weeks. And uh, good money. <laughs> Very good money. Uh, but this time not with Africans. This was with locals, mostly from Basra and the lo local area. Yeah. Um, same thing. They like to not do a lot and get paid. Yeah. <laughs> but they were pretty decent, though. Um, so you had myself, the expat as well. Um, I had an ex-para guy who's, I think he's now manager, something like that. He's pretty high up now in, in um, one of the security companies out in Iraq. So um, he's doing right. And then the locals, you had your interpreter and then the other guys, basically. So I had to learn some pretty rubbish Arabic to teach them. So things like speed up, slow down, left, right. That was it, basically. Yeah, yeah. And um, so because I was team leader, I was in the front vehicle the alpha wagon and then you had the client with the um 2ic expat in the bravo and then the charlie was with, with a big bus big armored bus because we were one of the bus teams and um so because i didn't want the crap driver to go with the client i had him in the in the front <laughs> in the lead vehicle so i'm trying to navigate as well as make sure this guy doesn't drive into people dogs potholes yeah whatever else um yeah not kill me that was that yeah. was the most worrying thing out there was the driving. Jesus, <laughs> if it was if it was kind of clagged in and misty, we would slow right down to say twenty to forty kilometers an hour. Yeah. We'd have our hazards yeah. on, we'd have our, our headlights on, everything you know, trying to give as much warning as possible. And then out of this mist would be you know eighty kilometer an hour lorry, no lights on, just absolutely going in, just inshallah off they go. <laughs> <laughs> that was the scariest thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I kind of I stayed with them for a while. Um, I was meant to do a personal training course. Uh, I think it was March 2015. So I got it all set up. I got funding from the, the Marines and everything. Um, so when you when you join up, you get three lots of funding, basically. Um, so before eight years, you get uh, £1,000. After eight years, you get £2,000. So three yeah. lots of. Yeah. If you don't use them up before the eight-year point, then you've got three lots of 2,000, that kind of thing. Cool. So I'd, I'd already used one from my um, close protection course. And uh, I need to use another one. And what else for? I think, oh, I think for my um, first person on scene medical course. So that's one of the other kind of things you need to have for, for going and working in, in close protection. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I used this other lot for the uh, personal training course. But then the, the price of oil dropped because we were basically taking care of the oil company um, and their clients. I was away on, on leave at the time and um, the price dropped. So they said, right, we're gonna cut from 13 teams down to, I think it was six, five or six teams. So they said, right, while you're on leave, just basically stay there, we'll find you another contract. Um, you know, time kept ticking on. I was thinking, all right, well, they're not gonna find me a contract. I just had to wait out until my, my PT course. Yeah. Um, yeah. They then said, oh, we got one down at the, um, I think it was the Basra Air Airport. So just basically go and do a bit of driving around there, a bit of, bit of security. Um, and, but the, the way the dates fell, they needed me to do eight weeks on, four weeks off. I could have done maybe six weeks, which would have made a bit of money. Um, but then they said, no, we, we can't have you for half a rotation. We, we need yeah. you there, all or nothing, basically. So. Um, 
yeah, I missed out on what one one full, full rotation on the the previous contract, um, which you're talking about fourteen grand roughly. Yeah, we have a nice bit of savings. Um, but yes, yeah, so I basically had to wait until my PT course did that, um, and then went self-employed um, as a personal trainer with no no client following, no background. Just yeah. like I'm a PT now, I'm trained up. Let's go. And uh, so yeah, money was not good. No, that was a struggle. Well, it's just got to start, haven't you? Got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so um, uh, self-employed for two years doing, doing PT stuff. Um, had a kid during that time as well. Yeah. So I have my little boy. Um, and that was madness. So like trying to trying to be a self-employed personal trainer at the same time as being a dad and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think I just started playing rugby at that time as well. So I was juggling all these things. So the day the day we came back from hospital with you know back home, um, yeah. I, think I got home at six o'clock. I had to load my car up and go and run my boot camp at quarter to seven. And it was just it's mad <laughs> trying to juggle everything. Yeah, that was stress. That's hectic. Yeah. How um, how did like do you, did you find that did any of the kind of mindset that you were taught in the Marines and stuff did any of that translate into like do you, did you find yourself being pretty disciplined with like you know because obviously working for yourself like I'm self-employed now like I occasionally have mornings where I'm like. Ah, oh, fuck it! I'm gonna sleep in. I'm gonna get up at ten o'clock because I can. Like, did you <clears> did you find? Because I guess you know, in the Marines, you, you can't do that, can you? You know, they're like, right, you're up at five thirty, and you're going trekking ten miles up a up a hill. Like, you're doing it whether you like it or not. So I mean, yeah. it did. Because I get you know, like obviously the the reason I want to chat to you about this whole mindset thing, like, do you find that mindset came with you? Um, into like yeah, being a personal trainer and stuff, or did you find because you yeah. just cared and rugby were you a bit like oh actually yeah, I'm gonna chill out? Um, I think it's still with me to be honest. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's never left me. It's you know from eight, eighteen years old. Um, I mean to be honest, I come from quite a big military background. Right. So my dad was ex Navy. He was a pilot. Um, so he flew Sea Kings and and then carried on flying afterwards when he left the Navy. So he flying um, like a contractor, basically. Right. Doing all that. His dad was in the Navy. Um, my dad's, dad's granddad, so my dad's dad's dad, he was Army. Um, he's got a military medal as well for bravery. Amazing. So he's in there. My mum's side, um, her four brothers, two of them were RAF, I think a pilot is in the RAF. Yeah. One was Navy. Um, I think my mum's dad was army as well. Not sure about his parents, but basically got a big kind of military um, background. So bred from that really. And um, so even though I was brought up more by my mum than my dad from from age three or four to 14, I lived with my mum. Right. And then 14 to 18 with my dad and then joined up. And uh, yeah, kind of on my own since then. Um, so yeah, I think the, the kind of military mindset's definitely stayed with me and, and still does. Um, when, when you say when you say military mindset, like, do you think it, is that more? How would you define military mindset? Because to me, that's it's like it's about like discipline and like what you were saying earlier about looking at things more logically than perhaps emotionally. Like, would you how how, yeah. else, how else would you define like military mindset? Um, 
I couldn't really put it eloquently, but I can put it in a way that, that might make sense. So it's things like um, following the rules to a certain degree. So things like my job now, so I work on gas pipes, we have to be clean, clean shaven. Right. So it's like, it is doing what they ask you to do, be shaven. Um, things like making your bed, you know, being neat and tidy, because if you're not neat and tidy in the military, you can get, you know, um, infections or something. If you yeah. leave, leave yeah. your stuff in a shit state in the jungle, things are going to go missing or yeah. you're going to brush your teeth with a, a manky toothbrush yeah. and uh, get yourself a nice little infection. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then you're useless to your, your team. Yeah. You know, I mean, this, in an exercise scenario, it's fine. You know, they can crack on. But if you're in, like, on ops and you go down, they've then got to take care of you. They've got to get the medics in to come and take you back to, to some camp somewhere. Um, uh, I think also being able to, to switch mindset, if, if that makes sense. So you can, you can be as nice as you like to people, but you have that ability to switch and be the total opposite. Um, you just have the ability to take take control of a situation, I guess. If if something, you know, I mean, you know, hopefully civilian life, it doesn't really, I guess it doesn't really happen, but, you know, you never know. But I guess, yeah, you've, you, you kind of, not necessarily, you know, physical control or stuff, but you've got that mindset to know exactly what to do to whether it's, you know, getting getting loved ones out of the way or just trying to diffuse something. I guess you've got that, that certain thing in your head of going, right, I know kind of know how to handle this uh, yeah yeah that... i mean so something else as well is um so in the marines if you say it's almost being jack then they're being selfish basically so like a jack wet is if you go make yourself a cup of tea but don't make one for anybody else right so that's always something that's massively frowned upon uh, especially in the marines so it's things like you know if someone's broken down on the side of the road you don't just drive past and go uh-huh wanker you know you'll stop and you'll see if you can help out um i think that's that's something that stuck with me. So like if, um, I think it was last last winter, there were some cars getting stuck in this hill. And so I got out and I pushed a couple of them up the hill and then um, a couple of them couldn't make it up there. So I was like, all right, yeah, someone will come help you out or just leave your car there at the pub two minutes down the road. Um, and then drove myself off and went home. But um, yeah, it's, it's the kind of um, things you get taught through, throughout the military. Yeah. Um, yeah. So things like you know courage, cheerfulness, and in the, in the face of adversity is is one of the big ones as well. So your chips can be down in absolute shit state, but you still have giggle. You'll yeah. find something to laugh about. Yeah, um, I mean, that, like, like I said, like you know, I was out in Bass with with this guy, um, this guy who was in the Marines, and that's that's what I found. Like there was really you know stupid little trivial things that I'd find myself getting a bit frustrated about. You know, like. You do something taking too long to get made or you know i'd be really hungry and i'm like oh where's the food and he's just sitting there drinking his beer opposite the table just having a laugh and i'm in my brain i looked at him and i'm like sandy stop fucking moaning about this just come <laughs> you're on holiday with all your friends having a nice time like just chill out the food is coming you're not going to go hungry you know it, but it is silly things like that and people do get wound up and i've i've kind of come back from the holiday and i have like I do kind of, I, I've sort of started talking to myself a little bit where I'm just like, <laughs> I just, I try and stop and take a minute and I'm like, why are you getting worked up about this situation? And I kind of I yeah. have a little chat to myself. I'm like, why are you getting worked up about this? And then I kind of say, right, here, here are the reasons why I'm getting worked up. And then I go, actually, there is no need for me to be getting worked up about this. So then I yeah. go, and usually I kind of take a breath after that and I chill and 
it's something I've found actually in the last three weeks that's, that's really helping me. Like, it's, it's not even, I don't know if it's necessarily something that I'm doing when I'm starting to get anxious about something, but more just like if I'm starting to get a bit worked up or impatient or frustrated, I'm just like, nah, there's no need. There's no yeah. need, you know, because there's, there's far larger things to deal with. And I know always people say, oh, well, there's, you know, there's starving kids in Africa and all this, so it could always be worse. And I think that that's all well and good saying that, but, you know, it's, it's always relative, isn't it? You know, um, mm. it's always, you know, relative. It's so difficult to put yourself in those shoes because, well, I mean, you, you probably have seen people in those shoes, but, I, you know, I haven't. So I, I find it difficult people saying things like that, but. Yeah, I just yeah. I, it really resonated with me chatting to, you know, hanging out with this guy for two weeks. And I was like, oh, man, he like we were out. So he, he kite surfed, but he kite surfed in Vass while we were windsurfing. And I don't know if you yeah. were out in Vass where the wind literally you click your fingers and the wind just dies. And yeah. you, you end up having to like swim in, wobbling. So he was kite surfing right downwind. And he, he got himself into a bit of a spot. The wind died. His kite fell out the sky. He was like two or three hundred meters off the shore probably gonna have to swim in yeah you we were like oh and i like they you know the boats were busy picking up all the clients so i was there was a spare boat so i i was on my way to the beach up to be like look i'm i'm gonna go get in the boat and i'll go and get ian and then luckily like one of the other oh sam actually you know sam so sam yeah sam had a free minute so sam went and picked up uh picked him up and brought him in and we were like oh you know you're right and he was like he was like yeah mate he's like i was just swimming in he was like I mean, what he's like, the water's warm. I'm in my shorts. He was like, I'm, yeah. I was fine. And I was thinking, I was yeah. like, actually, he, he was fine. You know, it, it looks bad. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, it's got, you know. But I mean, you know, he's like yourself, you know, he's a super fit guy. He's kept, he's kept really, he's kept himself in really good shape since coming out of the marine and stuff. So I'm like, for him, it's probably, it's a, you know, it's a gentle swim for him. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little paddle. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like, 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 like you're saying, like you've you've not seen people in those shitty situations, like places I've been to. So, um, Belize, people have absolutely nothing. You know, yeah. they, they literally like um, if you can build yourself a fort in in the woods when you're ten years old, it looks like one of those. Yeah, like the wriggly tin uh, roofs and everything. Yeah. that's what they live in. But then you you see their church and it's immaculate. Yeah, you know, all the money they've got their faith is massive to them so they put all the money into that church and yeah. it just it looks incredible i guess they put, the, they put the time in as well don't they they go and clean it and that mm. that's that, i think it, it doesn't i think a lot of people put put a lot of things like you said with money i'm i think i'm quite similar to you with money like i don't want to be a millionaire and all this but i do like not having to worry about it you know mm. and I, I think if more people took that thing rather than just chasing the money and actually you know, these guys probably have no money and stuff, but they're probably happier than a lot of people in the UK that are chasing the rat race, you know, because they, yeah. they've got something that they're taking pride in and it might not be much, but yeah, you know, they've got this church and that's, like you said, that's probably their pride and joy. Yeah, I think having a, having a focus, you know, for them is their faith. Having that focus is something that's really important Yeah. in terms of, in terms of mental health massively. Um, I mean, my, my wife always tells me that like I need to go and do some, do some sport, do some activity. Yeah. Because she can tense, she can tell that I'm getting tense and kind of, you know, a bit anxious. Um, not in a bad way, but like I just seem a little bit more short with my temper. Um, yeah. And she's like, "You need to go out and do some sport." Yeah, restless, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, exercise is a massive part in in terms of mental health for me, but I think for everyone. Yeah so um yeah for sure like i've been I've, I've been lucky enough that like 
when I was 18, I went, you know, I don't, I've done it a couple of times as a kid, but I went and learned to windsurf and did that. So for me now, like, I've just got this passion that completely just got, it governs my life. Like, as soon as it's windy, yeah. like, I've now built my career around being able to go windsurfing when I want. Like, it's, yeah. you know, so I've, like, and, and I feel, I feel so, like, blessed and lucky to have something like that, you know, because yeah. so many people, and I say this all the time on other episodes, like, so many people, they don't have something like that. They don't have a sport or a passion or something that they can go and do for a couple of hours now and then and just be, like, mm. completely present i mean do you what what do you do do you play rugby still or do you still do martial arts a uh, bit of everything i mean the the covid stuff is has knocked that a little bit um yeah. before that i was doing football on monday nights um brazilian jiu-jitsu wednesday gymnastics thursday and bits and bobs at the weekend i might go for a run or something or a bike yeah. ride with a mate um now it's uh rugby on tuesday uh, gymnastics on Thursday that's started up again um, and then I've done a bit of like trail running recently yeah so yeah. did like a, a 16 mile kind of across Dartmoor trail run recently um, with a couple of mates it was just brilliant yeah it's just yeah. just really nice to get out there and the views are amazing you know you're just out there with nature I love it so yeah, um, yeah that was good I found, I, found, I found that's really helped me like yeah just you know, because obviously, it's, I guess it must be difficult for you, you know, being in the Marines, like you were so active for so many years and people around you and you're, you're going around, you know, I dread to imagine like your step count every day, do you know what I mean? And then <laughs> going back to, you know, living what people would call a normal life in the UK and suddenly I'm, I'm not surprised you get a bit restless. And I think that is, mm. something that, that is something that really affects mental health without people even thinking about it, is they're actually, they're just... Their bodies, their bodies doing this, and they're they're, yeah. they're 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 literally vibrating on the sofa because they need to go and do something, but they just don't have a they don't have anything to do, do they? You know, or they yeah. like, can't be asked. You know, fired. Yeah, I mean this this COVID thing has um, caused a lot of problems, but I think it's good in a way because it shows that you can do it literally watching a screen. So, um, you know, PT mates who who I know from, from previous um, jobs sort of thing, they've They've done quite a lot of, of online you know, Zoom classes, whether it's Pilates or fitness-based or um, all, all sorts of different things, dance-based, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, it proves that you don't need to have a gym. You don't need to, to pay a membership and travel out there and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's right there. And then once you kind of learn how to do it, you can do it yourself. You don't yeah. need to pay for, you know, online tuition. You can just go and do it yourself because you, you know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. um, for for some they need to have that drive of whether it's money based they think right I've paid for these classes I need to go and do it or whether it's a case of well I've got to pick up Sandra down the road because on her lift to the yeah, class yeah, yeah. So you've got that kind of push to go and do it or yeah. they just enjoy the social aspect and they go there and chat for most of the session as long as they're doing it it's brilliant I think that's it I mean I don't, yeah, I, so I, I, I talk about it quite a lot on the podcast, but I, I started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in January. Yeah. For the, for the first time, I've never done any martial arts in my life, but I just, I just, I just was like, fuck it, I'm just going to try it. Because I want, <laughs> obviously windsurfing is forecast dependent, so I wanted something that I could like regimentally go to of an evening and stuff. Um, yeah. So I started going, and honestly, I think I, I went for like eight or nine weeks before COVID stopped, before they closed. Um, mm. and like it, 
it just straight away just like made a difference to me. I just loved, yeah. I just like it instantly, I think I've got quite an obsessive personality, you know, something <laughs> in surfing. But as soon as I did it, I was like, I want to learn more. I want to do this. And I, yeah. I, I was looking up videos on YouTube of like, you know, we learned to arm bar and I was like looking at variations of arm bars and all this. Like, I don't know, you, you've probably done quite a lot of jiu-jitsu, but um, I, yeah, I just, I just took to it so easy. And I loved the whole, I loved the whole like ethos behind it of the, there was just, there was so much respect with everyone. And, you know, like I was like the newest person there, but also like, you know, I'm like about six, four and 94 kilos. And there's like girls in the class with their blue belts and like, they're like kicking my ass. And yeah. no, there was not, there was nothing weird about it. And I, I was worried it was going to be a bit weird. Um, mm. But it was, everyone was just so like nice. And, you know, everyone like shakes hands and hugs each other at the end. And I just, yeah. I really, um, yeah, I, re I really, really enjoyed it. So I, I really miss that. I'm really hoping that we can get back to it soon. But yeah, no, I love it. I was, I was going to compete actually in May. Um, I got my blue belt just before Christmas. Oh, um, so I've been doing it for about 15 years. Wow. But very often on because of you know previous careers and everything, I've had like a four-year gap and then a two-year gap and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. although I've got a basis, I've never actually graded up until this Christmas. I went yeah. straight from white belt, no stripes, to blue belt, no stripes. So, um, because the guy who whose gym I train at, I started with him 15 years ago when BJJ was just called cage fighting, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like it, <laughs> it wasn't really known as as BJJ, whereas you know now it's a lot more set and it's got its own martial art that everyone's aware of, and everyone's getting involved. It's brilliant. You know, you got all the celebrities getting involved. Um, and it's it's awesome. You don't need a lot of space. Don't need a lot of kit. You can do gi, no gi. You can do it on the grass. You can do it on some mats. Um, obviously, you need to learn how to do it. So you've got to pay for the tuition or have a friend who's good at it and yeah. learn from them. Other than that, it's, yeah, great fun. I just love it. And you can love it for me. Like, I can, have, I can have the shittiest day and, like, my, my brain and I'm, I'm just not having a good time. And then, like, I'd go every Monday and then, you know, it's an hour of of you know doing it and I, you know i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily do very well i mean i was like the lowest level white belt you can be but i'd still leave and i just like you, you just feel epic you just feel absolutely yeah. epic afterwards like you didn't all the all the problems you just feel like you, you sweat out any of the anxiety and frustration you have over a day you know yeah it's um it's a great feeling so did you did they when you were in the marines and stuff like did they encourage did they encourage you guys to go and do kind of pastimes like that and things for, for your mental health? Like, was there any kind of encouragement of like, go and go and do this to look after yourselves? Or was there any kind of even, even just like chats about it? Or was it just one of those things? Cause I mean, you were, I guess it's well, fuck, nearly, nearly 10 years ago now since you left. So it's mm. it may have come on a bit since then. Um, but I mean, what was, what was, what was that like? Sorry to backtrack, but. No, it's fine. Um, the, the, there was no push for, for it in terms of health or mental health. It was just a case of that's what I was interested in, and I went along. Yeah. So I jumped on my, my, my little motorbike at the time. Um, I did one, one, two, five. I bomb it across Plymouth, got into to go and train, bomb it back. A sweaty mess, just stinking of everyone's sweat. Yeah. And um, <laughs> massive smile on my face because I've learned something new and I've challenged myself. And it's a massive, like, um, human chess game basically yeah the the grappling whether it's grappling or striking striking or wrestling whatever you know it's it's a huge like chess game because yeah. for every single move yeah. you've got there's an answer 
and then when they answer you've got another answer to that and yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. ongoing and it, it is it comes back to that flow chart again where yeah. like right i'm going for this movement has it worked no where where are they now all right well now i've got to do this movement all right they've moved so your flow chart's going down um yeah i just i love the the challenge of it i love going against people who are better than me as well yeah. um you know sometimes we'll, we'll do the session and then just have like a, a free roll at the end and i'll try and pick somebody who's a higher belt or who i've done training with that in that session and i think right you're good or you've got a better this than me like it might be flexibility or it might be you got better top game and i yeah. think right i'm gonna go with you because i want to practice getting out from bottom or yeah, yeah. i want to try and um stop that flexibility game that some people have like have you heard of 10th planet no um 10th planet so a guy called eddie bravo he's got this thing called rubber guard which is all about flexibility and the hips and everything there's a lot of oh, positions and holes and everything really good but if you can learn to stop that they've got nothing yeah obviously nothing but they're a lot kind of easier to control once you can stop the flexibility right. um i trained in swindon with some of the 10th planet guys there because so i was doing a course my job i've got now i was doing a course up there and uh so i just literally had a quick google i was like oh 10th planet i'll go there so i went down there turns out the guy who runs it is x rifles so he's ex army and um so i did a week session with him so i had a week at the start of april last year um and then went back did more sort of stuff down in plymouth and then went back up to swindon again so i went back and trained with them um and they were just you know really welcoming um yeah. i learned lots of new stuff i didn't really have the flexibility to to do a lot of the movements they were trying to do but give it a shot um then when i went to uh south wales doing the course again with my current job um i just got in touch and i was like right down in newport yeah and went to yeah. guys there exact same thing really welcoming just great people loads of knowledge there and everything and um yeah i just love that about about the martial arts about the sports side of things bjj um and it's just like everyone's having fun there's no one there getting really stressed out that they can't do no, no, no. or you know if i'm because i was there wearing white belt no stripes and i was like making hard work for purple belts with two or three stripes and they're like who the fuck what are you doing what's going yeah. on yeah. you can see him getting a little bit kind of like hang on a minute but then i'll explain to him i've done it for for 15 years i just haven't graded yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. fair enough all right um but yeah i, lo I just love that aspect of, of the martial arts yeah well, i think I, I guess i guess it's probably kind of kind of similar to the mindset that you that's cultivated for you in the marines of just like there's this there's just this ethos of just being really humble and like you you don't you're not you're not trying to beat other people you're you're trying to kind of you're, you're almost everyone's just trying to help each other and you you know but you're but you're all kind of trying to make make the best out of it having a good time you know um yeah that was that was what i got out of it i you know i will literally i you know i walked up to the the door of the the gym i was going to and i looked in the window the first time and i was like i can't go in there i was like i'm not going in there and then yeah, and then I, you know, I was like, went back to my car and I had a little word. And I was like, come on, you fucking do this. <laughs> and, and, you know, because I saw everyone getting changed and stretching. Like, it looked really intimidating. You know, everyone's in their keys. And I was like, what the fuck? And then yeah. I, I just went in. The guy was like, he knew. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, right, you know, first session's free. Um, you know, sized me up, gave me a gi. I was like, you know, get, get into this. And he was like, well, you know, start and start stretching. 
you know so yeah. I just did and 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 yeah and it just just went from there and it just yeah it just got better and better every week yeah, yeah. you know yeah, you start, start start to relax more as well you do yeah exactly and you know you, you, you I, I was going the same week same session every week and people were starting you know it started to recognize the same people and it started to have some pretty good chats. I actually, I actually did a podcast with the guy who runs the gym that I was going to. Um, yeah. A guy called Jack, who he's, he's, he's a real legend. It was really interesting, to, you know, chatting to him about the whole mental health side of it. And because, you know, he, he went to like Vegas to do UFC tryouts. And, right. Yeah, he, he, went, he just went to Brazil when he was 17 and was like, right, he just found, found a gym or, you know, wherever it was and went and sat there and was like, sat outside and was like, just teach me. Yeah. He, you know, so it was really interesting chatting to him and you know, the whole mental game behind it and how he went from being, I wouldn't say like, you know, a bit of a thug when he opened the gym to being a bit like, right, it's just for black belts and all this to then actually, yeah. right, you know, let's talk a bit more about, you know, mental health alongside it and get people in and, you know, trying to try and cultivate a much nicer vibe. Um, mm. I, I guess like, well, from what I've gathered, everyone's had that same experience in jiu-jitsu. It's just like looking after each other and, yeah, it seemed it seemed yeah. a really nice community. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're going to get different gyms run by different people. It's going to have a different feel to it and everything. But I wouldn't say there's anywhere I've been to where I felt like I was being bullied or intimidated or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I hope that no one feels that from me as well. When I've rolled with them, I'll try and give them a bit of guidance. So, you know, the guys who are brand new, I'll tell them to relax. That's one of the biggest things when people start off is that they just tense up and yeah, squeeze and they're trying to hold on to you as hard as they can. Yeah. That's going to achieve nothing yeah. apart from tire you out. Exactly. So yeah, I'll just exactly. like talk them through it. I'll even give them a submission and they can just practice it. So I'll say, right, get your leg over this side, pull that arm. Yeah, brilliant. That's an armbar. Exactly. Kind of yeah. And um, yeah, so do all that. But um, uh, I mean, going back to your stuff about you know the, the mental health side of things from the military, I've never really had anyone i mean this is obviously in the eight years i was in things have changed a little bit since then there's been a lot more focus on it now but no one's ever said you know do this for your mental health take time off for your mental health um speak to this person they had a thing called trim um i can't remember what it stands for trim yeah. and so you'd have like your sergeant or your sergeant major would be um trim trained and um they're basically the ones you go and speak to if you're having dramas but that was it it was it's like they're there but then i don't really know anybody who actually went and spoke to them in 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 that kind of aspect yeah i guess it's probably looked at being a bit of i don't know i don't know what it was like and it may be interesting to know like was it was it kind of looked at as being a bit of a weakness like if you oh you you've got to go and talk to the guidance counselor kind of thing you know is it whereas i i assume now because there's been so there's been so much even in the last five years not just about like men's mental health, but about, about kind of, you know, PTSD and the forces and all that sort of stuff. Um, mm. Why, why, why do you think that's come out? Do you think just because the, the statistics have always been there and now people have actually started to look at them or? Yeah, I think um, things like the, the suicide rates, they're just ridiculous. Oh, it's horrible. It's yeah. horrible looking at that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know why things have changed so much. Um, whether it's because there are, you know, things like celebrities who are coming out and saying that, so people think, oh well, you know, they're a hero in my eyes, so I can do it myself. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. So 
if that's worked, then brilliant. Um, you know, good effort to the people who've, who've done that. Um, I wouldn't, well, personally, I wouldn't see it as weakness. If someone said to me, I'm struggling, help. Or if they said, I went to school to the sergeant major, I'm having dramas. I'd say, yeah, fair enough, mate. Do you want any help? You know, do you want to go for a talk, go for a beer? Do you want to go for a run together? Whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some people might feel like, you know, um, in, in the Marines, because you've got a massive array of different backgrounds. Yeah. You know, some, have, yeah. some may have come from um, abuse from the parents, whether it's the dad or the mum or uncles, whatever. Um, and so they might feel that even though they don't have pressure from their Marine people, they might have that pressure from their, their home, their family. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, for them to then go and seek help, they're seen as weak, not by the their brothers, their, you know, the blood to the left and right of them, but by their own family. Yeah. So, um, you know, that still goes on. People still have those problems. Um, but yeah, I, do, I really hope that people who do have, you know, whatever problems, they can they can speak about them. They can find someone, whether it's um, over the phone, face to face, whatever. Yeah, it'd be yeah, it'd be so interesting to know like what they what they do now, because surely there must be kind of things now where, especially when you guys, you know, like you said, when you come off a tour and stuff, there must be like right, you're gonna get you're going to get, I don't know whether it's like a psych evaluation, but, you know, they're like, right, you're going to have, there's going to be some aftercare, you know, because mm. uh, I can't, yeah, it's absolutely astonishing that there was just none at all, other than go to Zante and go on the piss for a few days, you know. Yeah. Other than that. It, yeah, that was it. It's, it's outrageous that that was, that's, that was the way of, um, yeah, de, de-stressing after, after, being, mm. after being in a war zone, you know. Yeah. Like, let's put you with a load of civilians and a load of alcohol and see what happens. Yeah. It's, it's, Great. Well, just in, think, talking about it now, it seems it seems stupid that the powers that be were like, yeah, that's a good idea, boys. That's a good idea. You know. Yeah. Do you think that whole? Do you think there is a certain element still of like that whole like, you know, us as like British stuff, you know, and especially like you know, you're you're actually from from where I grew up as well, like Inverness and stuff, you know, Scotland especially, mm. but there is that whole like. Or, oh, we'll just get on with it, stiff upper lip, you know, all this. Do you think? Yeah. I, I think that must probably play quite a big part in it um, as well, of that whole, like, oh, we'll just have a cup of tea and get on with it and we'll be fine, you know? Yeah, well, a cup of tea is brilliant. Sorts a thousand problems. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's not really the fact of having a beer, the fact of having a cup of tea. Or that it's the fact that you're with people that you, you know, that you like, you know, you've chosen to be with them, so you must like them. Yeah, and um, yeah. and you're talking about wherever the problem is. So, for a lot of people, that's kind of that can help to soothe the problem, and um, and that's just all you need, really. But uh, yeah, the whole kind of drink culture is very British, and it's a case of like, oh, split up with the missus, let's go and get hammered, or yeah. you know, in, I don't know, dogs just died, let's go and get drunk, that kind of stuff. It's it's a strange strange mindset but it's just how we're kind of bred really yeah it is and i mean I, I don't have any problem with it like i i love having a few beers and i like for me mm. you know it's one of the reasons i started this podcast because that for me it's a bit of it's uh, it's a, for me it's a way of like talking about it i find it the easiest way of doing it is you know right let's let's go to the pub and sit and have and chat chat some shit together you know and then yeah. usually after people have had a couple of beers they kind of warm up a little bit and they go actually do you know what 
you know, all it takes is for one person to be like, do you know what? Yeah, I, I do actually suffer with a bit of anxiety and, you know, I get a bit mm. nervous when, when certain things, you know, when certain things happen, I, I kind of feel a bit worried, a bit down and stuff. Or, you know, I've struggled with depression a bit. And then as soon as one of you does it, usually the floodgates open. But it's, yeah, it's always, you know, like, like you said, you know, people, people worried about being like kind of cowards for going and talking to someone. Whereas, you know, you said, actually, it's the opposite. And I completely agree. Like, you know, usually it's the, the bravest people are the ones that speak up first and go, yeah, mate, I'm, I'm struggling, you know? Yeah. And I think for us as, as a culture, there is a culture of it's the opposite of that. And especially with men, it's like, oh, well, if you talk about your problems, you're a pussy. You should just get it, get it done, you know? Mm. Um, and I guess I, yeah. I, it's interesting to know if that's still cultivated, like in the forces, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, again, it comes back to who's in charge. So who's in charge of who, at what time, what happens in that period, all that kind of stuff. So there's different ways of dealing with it. So say, you know, um, in fact, for one of the times, 2010, we lost one of our guys. Um, so driving to a little yank, um, like PB, a little base they got in the middle of nowhere, just like, just dust around them. Yeah. And the ground, yeah. the ground's literally like moon dust. You're driving through it and it's just up over puffs of smoke. And um, so I was in the first vehicle that went, went off. We're literally going to get some ammunition, some, uh, some food. And so driving along, then another vehicle behind, another one behind, and then it's the fourth vehicle, I think it was, yeah. had gone off the tracks by about a metre and a half, um, hit a completely random bomb, whether it was um, IED, pressure plate or something, that went off. Um, it killed the guy in the front left seat, knocked the other two out of the vehicle. Um, and so when everything was sorted and we got back to that that little camp that we were, that we were going to get the food from, um, you know, the helicopter had come in, picked them up, take them away. They did everything they could, but, you know, he didn't make it. Um, and so we're all sat around, and it was literally a case of, you know, if you want to come sit in the circle, we'll, you know, shoot the shit, chat bollocks. And then the sergeant who was in charge, um, he said, right, does anybody not want to go on this patrol tomorrow? Does anyone have, a, you know, bad juju, bad feeling about it at all? One guy put his hand up. He said, right, I'm not doing it. So the way that he dealt with it, I think was brilliant. Yeah. You know, if one cog in, in, in the whole system isn't happy, no one's going. Yeah. Whereas mm -hmm. it could be someone else who says like, right, that's happened, let's crack on, right, we're off tomorrow. Yeah. Something else could have gone wrong. Whether it was, you know, in his head, the guy who said he doesn't want to go, you know, he could have switched off for a second or he would have been a bit fearful, yeah. Yeah. whatever, yeah. something bad could have happened, whatever. It completely depends on how you deal with it. Um, and being in charge of a group of men in that kind of situation is really important. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, fair play to the, to the sergeant who, who was in charge then. Yeah, that, yeah, because as you said, like, you know, as soon as you think about it, like, like you said, with that mindset of like, you have that mindset of like, I don't want to be a liability. I don't want to be a liability to, to the man next to me. But mm. that guy might have been like, actually, my brain's not in the right place here. So he's like, I imagine he's probably thinking in his head, "Fuck, I, I might be a liability tomorrow because I'm, I'm, I'm not. My, my brain's not going to be on it, you know." Mm. So yeah, I guess yeah, fair fair play to, to that. That's some good. Well, that's good leadership, isn't it? You know, and that's that's yeah. a whole that's a whole different uh, different conversation. But I think, yeah, I think you know, I don't I don't think it's 
a lot of people all think it's you know it's it's girly or you know stupid to show like compassion and stuff like that as a man mm. like you know what that sergeant did there was he showed compassion and was like you know we don't we don't need to go yeah so i think that's yeah yeah that's that's a nice that's a real nice way of dealing with that as you said it could have been so easy to just be like right it's what happens it's shit you know we've got to suck it up and get on with it could, mm. have, could have so easily been that and then like you said you'd never know what would have happened yeah yeah exactly but that's just it you kind of call it call it on on, on the ground um you know because they'll have pressure from above yeah. the officers yeah, yeah. and then the people in charge of them in charge of them they're, they're saying right we need people to be on the ground here um finding out information about blah blah uh go and do it for then for him to then say no we're not doing it you know it takes balls yeah and yeah. uh but you know it potentially stops something else bad happening and that's it you don't want anything to happen basically yeah exactly mate. exactly yeah well i think like as we said i think to be honest like for, for you know for you being in the marines and all that stuff i think it all it basically all just come it comes down to that mindset that you're that you're given that you put through like i think there's there's a strong case for like i don't i don't like i don't i don't think national service is the right thing but i think there should be some sort of you know, some some sort of way of putting, giving that, helping people get achieve that mindset. And I don't know whether mm. it is everyone should just do six weeks and have to go and sit in Dartmoor in a fucking freezing tent and to get told you've got to go and, you know, you've got to go and run around and 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 you know do do whatever you do. But yeah, you know, I, I, it would be interesting to know and and see what what a difference that would make on, you know, like how you know on depression rates and stuff like that. If people could cultivate that mindset of like you know, trying, trying to kind of look at things, like you said, a, 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 perhaps a bit more logically. Um, yeah, well, I mean, like, what, what we're saying about going out on Dartmoor and, you know, getting piss wet through and cold and all that kind of stuff, that can, that can achieve quite a lot. Yeah. Because you realise that you can do it, which is a massive thing in your head. Yeah. It's, the, the, you, can, you can achieve it. You can do what you don't want to do, what you didn't think you can do, and you come out the other side of life. Um, and then also you you have to work as a team, so you know you might have to carry the tent, and you've got to carry the water, you've got to carry the food, or you share it out. Um, and basically, you get from point A to point B. You survive through that time. You make your tent. You make your um, I don't know, you might have a toilet set up somewhere. You kind of you follow the rules. So you don't just piss wherever. You have a designated area. You do that. You've kind of got um, a bit of discipline. Yeah. And so yeah, even just doing that could achieve quite a lot. Definitely. Yeah, I think yeah. Like, like I said, like since since coming back from holiday, I've just had this thing of just like I've I've, tr I've, tr I've I've like recently started to like trying to cultivate a bit more discipline in myself as well. Like I've been I've been like working out quite a lot, um, you know, with lockdown and stuff. And then mm. um, you know, since that, I was like, right, just because I moved into a new flat with my girlfriend, I'm like, just because I've moved and everything after lockdown, I'm not going to stop and you know, like with my eating and stuff, I'll sit there and be like, no discipline. I'm going to have rice and whatever again for lunch because I'm just going to do yeah. it. And it, it is, it's a really nice feeling after you do it. But it's, I mean, I won't lie, you know, it's, it's fucking hard when you've got a bag of cookies staring at you on the side, you know, and I'm yeah. like, but it is some, something, I think for me, I take away, I, I don't know if you guys, you know, did this in, in the Marines, but I take away like, you know, like small victories. 
I try and be like, right, yeah, I, you know, I didn't eat three cookies with my lunch. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, fuck yeah, well done. Or like, yeah, I made it. Like every, every morning I wake up and I work out before I do anything else. First thing I do. And while right. I, when I get up, I sit and stretch and then I work out. And while I'm stretching, yeah. I'm like, I just can't wait to be in the shower after I finish working out. Yeah. I just want to be in, I can't, I'm like, I just want to get, I get to the shower. And then when I get to the shower, I'm like, now I'm in the shower. Now, now I need to sit down and, and start working after and stuff. So I kind of yeah. like compartmentalize my day a little bit like that. And I do find mm. that, it, that definitely helps me a bit. But I guess you guys probably had that anyway, because it was, your days were so regimented. Um, yeah yeah I was, I was gonna say just that like I, I would take each day as it comes um so especially through training because that's when they're just absolutely testing you they're beasting you so um you know you're up at say four or five in the morning and yeah. then you're getting everything ready um you know you're you're ironing your kit until one in the morning making sure everything is absolutely perfect if you've got an exercise coming up you're packing your bergen because you don't know how to do it you end up doing it three or four times yeah and you're up at two in the morning and then you're up again at four in the morning like fuck i've had two hours sleep and then you're running around the gym or the bottom field um at like six seven o'clock in the morning you know you've just troughed down loads of food because you're gonna need the calories for the day and then you got to go and run around camp and they are fucking ass so you're feeling crap then you got to go into a classroom to go and learn something about say weapons or um signals like radios and everything yeah and you do a bit of classroom work and you're not enough and you spend the whole time just trying to keep your eyes awake and then after that you have to go and do weapons training but in the uh you know live basically yeah. not live rounds yeah. but you're actually you've got a weapon in your hands you do the training then you have your lunch then you come back then you're in a swimming pool and you're doing stuff there and then you kind of you break down you take each day that comes yeah. then you take each session as it comes yeah so you break everything down to little bits you think right i've done that it's almost like a task bar like a, I've, I've achieved this bit of my 100% of the day, I've done 6%, brilliant. Yeah. Right, now I'm going to do, oh, I've done 10%, awesome. And then you get there, 100%, done, yeah. brilliant. Lights out, next day, start again. Yeah, that's it. And I think, I think a lot of, I think where, where a lot of potential mental health struggles come from is people live too much in the future. They think, mm. they, worry, they worry too much about, not necessarily tomorrow, but they worry too much about, what they're going to do at the end of the month when they're getting paid or what they're going to do next month and what, well, what we're doing then and what about next year when I can want to buy a house and can I do that? And I think people, mm. uh, people like there's a Game of Thrones quote, Tyrion Lannister, he says one, one game at a time. And I try and like, I've tried to like live that now. I've tried to do, I'm like, right, one, one, one game at a time. And for me, one game at a time is basically one day at a time. And I think... Yeah. Like, you know, for me, like my mental health was really bad like two years ago. And that's why now I started this podcast because I was like, fuck it, let's talk about it. But, you know, like for me, one of the big differences is that I think I was living way too far in the future and I was comparing myself in the present to what I wanted to be in the future. I was like, oh, yeah. well, you know, I'm, I'm not where I want to be in my career, but maybe in two years I will be. So I'd be like, well, why am I not like me in two years? I know that sounds silly, but, you know, where yeah. Whereas when I kind of stopped doing that and I was like, right, let's start doing, let's start just doing one day and taking these little victories of, I'm really proud of myself because I went, you know, I live, I live right next to the South Downs. So I usually go up a load of hills. I just go for an hour every day and just go for a hike up the hills and back. But I'm like, yeah. I'm proud of myself because I did that and I didn't really want to do it. And now I'm, <laughs> yeah. now, now I'm really tired, but I feel good for doing it, you know? Yeah. 
And it's, it's taken those small, you know, the small victories like that. And then you get to the end of the day and all those small victories kind of add up and you're like, oh, I've, I've done all right today, you know? Mm. Um, which uh, weirdly sounds remarkably similar to what the Marines was like. Yeah. Yeah, it's just breaking it all down. Um, yeah, definitely not looking too far ahead because if you, if you do, and you know, you've got big things coming up that can make you worry yeah. way too early. Like, yeah, you know, say say you're in you're in week two, and you've got your gym pass out. I think it's week eight or nine. It's been a while now. Um, if you start thinking about that, thinking, "Oh, I'm not fit enough. I'm not I'm not going to pass that in week two, You've got another six, seven weeks to go. Exactly. You're going to get fitter. You're going to get better. Yeah. Um, you're not going to be the same person you were in in week nine as you were in week two. No. So, you know, don't worry about it. You're going to build up to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I'm glad. I'm really glad you said that. I'm glad because I'm, I, you know, sometimes it's very easy to sometimes think that you're doing you're doing something silly and things. But actually, I mean, if if that's what if if that's the way the mindset that you guys sort of um sort of had and that that kind of ethos, then obviously it's mm. uh, it must be it must be a pretty good thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously speaking for me. Not not everyone's the same, but. No. But I think I think that's what they try to instill is just like be be mentally and physically tough enough to deal with what you're facing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And trust that you can do it. I think that's a big thing with the Marines is like there's a saying, no no cuff too tough, which basically means you can wing it, you can achieve it because yeah. you've just got the the balls to do it and the confidence to take anything on. Um, whether you achieve it or not, doesn't matter. You give it a go. Yeah, I think that's it. There's a lot of, yeah, there's, you know, it's a bit like you parachuting, like, you know, you, you can't hesitate at the door, you know, yeah. you can't hesitate at the door. And I think that's, that's another, you know, great thing of like, actually, you know, if you're, you're thinking about doing something and all this, you know, one thing I can relate to is like me starting this podcast for months, maybe even a year. I was like, oh, I really want to start a podcast and talk about mental health, but I was like, well, no, I can't, I can't do that. That's, you know, silly and all this. And then, and then I was like, oh, you know, fuck it. I just did it. And by no means is, was it perfect? And it still isn't perfect, but like I'm, I'm, I'm doing it and it makes me feel good. And no one's made fun of me for it. You know, no one's yeah. been like, oh, your podcast is shit. You know, no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if anything, if anything, it's been the opposite, you know? And actually, yeah. it, it, I think a lot of people could do with hearing that kind of stuff of like, actually, you can you can achieve a lot more than you think. You know, you probably you probably could go and you know shit in a bucket on Dartmoor for three weeks and be fine. You know. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah, a lot a lot of people don't think they can, but I think I think that's getting better. You know, with like you know the SAS show they've got on now and all this mental health stuff, and I think there is this whole <clears throat> thing of trying to trying to make people more self confident and you know. Mm. Um, kind of put that mindset into a lot of people which is one of the main reasons why I wanted to talk to you because I just wanted to get a bit more of an insight into it yeah I mean I think I mean a, a slight tangent but going on going about um, so, social media it's um, and and well in fact just um, different devices whether it's TV Xbox iPad phone whatever it's good to get a break away from that um, in terms of mental health because you're constantly being you know, you're having things thrust in your face, like this is how you should look, this is what you should eat, this yeah, is how yeah. you should train. Like, if you're not this good, you're worthless, that kind of thing. So, um, remember at one point, things were getting a bit too much for me in terms of job and stress and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, right, I'm going to go up on Dartmoor, 
take my burger with a poncho in, a few beers, a bit of food. Just got up there for a couple of nights. Yeah. And so I did. I just went up there by myself. You know, I took a, a book and a puzzle magazine, a bit of music, and I was just by myself. And that was it. Really? I switched my phone on, what, twice a day, just to make sure no one's got in touch with me or trying to reach me, whatever. And I felt great afterwards. I was like, right, I've kind of I reset, got away from all that bollocks, and here we go. So uh, I try not to base my my day around, um, you know, my phone. Yeah. My, uh, where else? I play Xbox most nights, but that's just my fun. You know, that's my, my, my escape. Yeah. Okay. People escape in different ways, whether it's they read every night or they watch TV every night or whatever. I play Xbox. I enjoy yeah. it. So um. Yeah, no, yeah. I, think you're, I think you're right. I think it's, <clears throat> there's so many distractions now. And I think a lot of the time it, it stopped, they stop becoming a distraction and they just start becoming a routine. Um, mm. And I think that's where problems arise. Like I, I work in social media now. So I, since it's become my job, I've kind of managed to like differentiate it a bit. And I don't, yeah. I actually find myself kind of in an evening I'm like I don't necessarily want to sit on social media because I kind of sit on it most of the day working but yeah if anything that's kind of nice because I now associate it with work rather than with you know like while I was in Vass on holiday I did loads of work the week before I went I still had to do maybe an hour or so every day but largely in Vass I was like I don't want to go. you know other people would be sitting on their phones and I'm like we're like I'm, we're, we're sitting in one of the most beautiful places in the world and I'm you know sit, we're sitting on the beanbag at the beach bar and I'm just looking around I'm like all these people are deserve like this. And I'm like, yeah, look, <laughs> look up. Yeah. Cause in a week's time, you're not going to see it, you know, look up. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, it is a funny thing. And I think there is a fine line and, and, uh, but I think the, the, uh, the comparing yourself to other people on social media, I think that's exhausting, isn't it? I think that, that's, yeah. that's one of the most like toxic parts of it is, you know, you can be completely happy within yourself and where you are and what you're doing, but, if you go on your social media and you see that one of your friends is somewhere nicer, eating nicer food with nicer, you know, nicer drinks and having a nicer time, you're like, oh, well, I don't feel good about myself anymore. And actually, mm. where you are is really good, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, my, my, my son now, he, he turns five this month, um, got a little girl on the way in, in December. So the way I wanted to kind of bring them up is that, you know, don't focus on this because it's, it's only becoming bigger and bigger you know yeah. kids and social media they're having phones when they're five years old and stuff like that so yeah. you know he's got um uh kindle fire but he's on that once a day yeah for not very long um and we're trying to minimize it and obviously when it when they get older and they find things like facebook and instagram and everything it's a case of monitoring what they look at teaching that that's not the only way you yeah. know what they see on there isn't what they should aspire to be it is you know what some people have achieved or that's how they choose to be but that's not how you have to be yeah so you know i'm I'm comfortable i can look through the whole of instagram see the most amazing looking blokes with chiseled abs and everything and i think yeah my body's all right but i don't really have to have that look no. you know for them to achieve that they must have to train all the time to eat correctly yeah, to you basically have to be miserable don't you <laughs> you know you can't most of the time yeah <laughs> to have that six six percent body fat exactly you can't you can't go and drink beers with your mates you can't go and eat a dirty burger on a friday night if you want to like you yeah i think you know i think for me a big thing i've uh, another thing that i i kind of really try and do is balance i try and really like 
I try and really have a, a, a little bit of a balance with everything. So like, like my, my girlfriend, Heidi, she's a teacher. So like mm. the weekends are all about having a nice time for us. Like I'm, I, yeah. I, you know, cause I work from home and freelance and stuff. So my, my week is a lot less structured than hers, but you know, usually, you know, especially with everything in the last six months being a teacher, you know, during the week she's at work and then in the evenings, usually she's pretty tired. So we just chill. So the weekends we're like, right, let's go out for food. Let's go and, you know, do this and stuff. But I'm like, during the week, then I'll kind of behave myself a bit more, you know, and mm. we won't, we won't go out and, and do that. And I, I don't, I try not to really, you know, unless I'm doing podcasts, I don't really drink during the week. And, you know, there's, there's just, I find there's just a fine line, isn't there? Um, mm. So I'm fine. I think every, everything's fine, but just, you just got to, just got to balance it out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, like, the, the biggest reason that I do exercise and everything is so that I can eat what I eat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. just bourbon biscuits and beer yeah. and yeah. Stuff, everything. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, it, it's the same thing. You know, I, I do enough exercise. My job is physical enough for me to, to have a pork pie or something like that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, um, I think... Uh, like food wise, it's quite a big thing for, for mental health as well. If you eat crap, you're going to feel crap. For sure. And, uh, you always think you always think the McDonald's is going to make you happy and it makes you happy while you're eating it for five minutes. But 10 minutes later, you're like, well, I feel like shit. Mm, and I yeah. think I've noticed. And I think, I think a lot of people have noticed this since lockdown as well, though, where, you know, a lot of people started cooking and a lot of people actually started kind of, I don't know whether they started cooking healthier food, but, even even just cooking a meal at home, it's always going to be healthier than a McDonald's and stuff because yeah. you, you 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 know you kind of know what you're making, you don't you? Because you you know you're literally doing it. And like me and me and Heidi, you know, we we cook quite a lot now and stuff. And I found mm. you, you do feel you do feel a lot better within yourself. And you, it doesn't need to be like white fish and a rice cake, you know. It doesn't <laughs> it doesn't need to be that, you know. It can be. Yeah. You can you can still eat like lots of nice food, but yeah, I think I think that is true. And a lot of people, you know, do eat do eat like shit. But as yeah. well, like you said, you can eat shit. But as long as you're getting up the next morning and going after it, then mm. it kind of does balance out, you know. Yeah, but I mean, you, you see people who have you know very little money, and then they're obese. And you think, well, how can you afford this food? But it's cheaper to buy, you know, a microwave meal for a quid and it's, you know, a thousand plus calories than it is to cook something healthy, um, which is, you know, 500, 600 calories. Yeah. That, that um, the, the cost of everything is cheaper to get a pizza and chuck in the oven. Yeah. It's so, so, it's um, so off, isn't it? It's so like, yeah, it's, there's such a, there's such a gap in between like, Mm. I, I, well i kind of do understand but at the same time you don't understand like how how is a microwave macaroni cheese meal just basically so full of shit yeah, yeah. how's that cheaper than you actually putting putting some ingredients together and making your own macaroni cheese that's probably going to have way less calories and way less shit in it yeah you know yeah and you can you can bulk buy so it ends up being a, a bit cheaper you know batch cook something whether it's like mince or something like that mince and pasta with tins of beans whatever in it um and you can batch cook that and then that's going to be say four meals 
Yeah. And that's cost you for me as well the actual art, the actual act of cooking as well is i find it i find it really nice it's quite therapeutic like making yourself something and it it's again it's a sense of achievement you get isn't it so that kind of helps mm. to me that kind of helps mental health as well like you know you cook a really nice meal and you kind of look at it before you sit down to eat and you're like oh, yeah i'm quite proud of that actually you know yeah when, when it tastes good you give yourself a pat on the back as well exactly yeah 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 <laughs> happy you know happy customer it's it's pretty good yeah um, cool so finishing finishing up then, Jamie. I've got a couple of um, I usually just end with like a couple of a couple of sort of questions. Um, you generally at the moment they're kind of just based on what it's been like for the last couple of months. Um, so obviously you're you you based down in Devon now, aren't you? Yeah. So I live in in Cornwall, just inside Cornwall, and I'm work in Devon at the moment. Amazing. Um, where would your where would your uh, happy place be if you could kind of click your fingers right now? Where where would you be? It doesn't have to be like a physical location. I I originally had it as a physical location, but a lot of people started being like, oh, wherever my friends and family are. And I was like, well, I feel a bit shallow because I'm always like, <laughs> I'm always like, well, Cape Town. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I reckon somewhere with a sunset, decent sunset. Yeah. And then my family, just everyone being happy. Yeah. That's a good, um, that's a good mix. That's a good mix. You yeah, must, probably you get some good sunsets down in Cornwall, don't you? Oh yeah, yeah. Dartmoor's good for that. Yeah, mate, it must be amazing. Yeah, be amazing. Um, obviously lockdown. I don't know if you were. I guess you, you know, gas lines and stuff. You were probably still working, but um, did you? No, I was. I was followed for about nine weeks oh, wow. because what 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 we do is change the metal gas pipes to plastic, basically, to so push it through up to the meter in the house. Right. Um, so because we have to have access to the houses, we couldn't uh-huh. do our job. So okay. I was probably for that. I guess you had a bit of free time then. So what were you? Um, was there any? What were you entertaining with yourself? Like, was there any movies, TV shows? What were you? What, were you watching anything, or were you? I guess you're more of a gamer. What, what are you playing? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, home-wise, my wife was working from home. She writes for the for the local paper. Um, so she was working. So she had kind of a focus. Um, we got two dogs, and then my son. Um, so he's four, so trying to entertain him, yeah. get some en- energy out of him, plus the dogs. So I had a bit of a routine. So we kind of, I'd get up or out of bed about nine. Um, and then wife be working from nine till roughly three ish. Yeah. Um, so in that time, I would have my breakfast and everything, get myself ready, take the dogs out and, and my lad, um, usually up to the little green on, 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 the, on the local area. Um, and just things like kick a ball around, playing rugby, uh, play hide and seek with the dogs. We chuck the ball, and then go and hide. Dogs try and find us. Um, just doing sword fighting with sticks, that kind of stuff. So it was more, it was more about rather than rather than sitting in front of a TV like everyone else. It was more. Yeah, yeah. And then when the evening comes and wife goes to bed, um, lads in bed, then I'd stick on a bit of Call of Duty. Nice. And uh, play that with with mates, really. Yeah, yeah, nice. That sounds good. And then finally, um, I mean, you, you obviously do a lot of them, but what's if you had to pick, what's the, the fav- favourite sport, favourite kind of pastime to do? Stuff one. <laughs> yeah, um, probably martial arts in general. Yeah. So I'd say mixed martial arts. Yeah, so it doesn't matter which one. Yeah. All of them, nice. 
Cool. Well, um, yeah, I mean, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, Jamie. I mean, it's so, so sick to get an insight into, um, into, into the mindset of, of what it's like kind of in the Marines, your, your story, um, all that. I hope, hope everyone listening has enjoyed. Um, as I said, uh, you can find this podcast. Well, you, if you've listened to it, you found it already. Um, but please share it, uh, like, subscribe, follow me on Instagram at the After Hours Lounge. Um, yeah, that's it, guys. Thank you very much. Um, oh, and also, you can now buy me a beer as well. If anyone knows about this. But yeah, you can, you can actually give me money. If you are enjoying the podcast, if you are doing it, uh, I do put quite a lot of time into this podcast. So if you do enjoy it, guys, you can buy me a beer. Um, you can head to the link on my Facebook page. Uh, which is again at the After Hours Lounge and you can buy me a beer. If not, don't worry. Liking, sharing, subscribing is fine as well. But yeah, guys, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Jamie. Thank you very much for having me. And we will see you guys for the next one. Goodbye.